This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A Athletics. It's up Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country, Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And Shane, let's get right to it. We have, I guess, the man not only of the hour, but of the last six months uh, on the University of Arizona campus. He has come in and just done some great things thus far. Jed Fish, the head football coach for the University of Arizona football team, joining us here on Wildcat Country. Coach, really glad to have you. Thank you very much for doing this. My first question is, when you got hired in late December, you had a game plan. And thus far, it's been it's been crazy to all of us on the outside. Would you say, though, that you have achieved what you had planned on doing? You've overachieved or underachieved? Well, you know, first of all, thanks for having me on the uh, podcast. It's been six months and I have never been invited before. So I appreciate uh, being on and uh, super excited about what we're what we are in the middle of doing, I guess. Uh, We have it's a long, long journey. And we had certain expectations when we got here, uh, who we wanted to hire. Uh, the staff was always, in my opinion, the most important thing that we could do is get that right. Uh, and we're super excited about what we did with the staff, who we hired, who came in, uh, who we retained from, um, let's call it the Wildcat world, the uh, alumni base, uh, get them excited again. And then uh, I've always had the same mentality ever since uh, I dreamt of being a head coach one day was to go in there and just work really hard and uh, see what happens. And see, I like to tell people that if you just, you know, treat people right and you're able to connect with a lot of different people in a lot of different areas, you have a chance to be hopefully successful football coach on the field. And uh, that's our ultimate goal. Uh, Jed, first of all, just to be clear, you have an open invitation to join us every week on this podcast if you'd like to. So thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, When you were named the new head coach at Arizona, it's fair to say a lot of Wildcat fans were, were skeptical, to put it nicely. And I'll admit I was one of them, okay? And you've certainly won a lot of fans over since then uh, for a number of reasons. But did you know when you arrived in Tucson just how much work you had to do not only to turn around this program, but to win over this fan base heading into your first season here? Yeah, well, you know, I probably didn't um, think about winning over the fan base per se. I kind of felt like if we did everything – that we set out to do. And I I said that to Dave when Dave interviewed me. I said it to Dr. Robbins when Dr. Robbins interviewed me. I said, I'm not worried as much about winning over really anybody right now other than our football team, because if we do it the way we believe we will do it, hire great people, go get some of the top coaches in the country, uh, stay connected with so many NFL coaches and have them come visit and be a part of this program, recruit really well, uh, connect with our own team, spend a ton of extra time with our players that, you know, you'll start winning them over because you'll just be doing the right things. And uh, my goal is always just to do the right thing on the field, off the field, uh, connect with the alumni, connect with the donors. I understand who helps us get to where we want to be. Uh, we've, you know, done an entire renovation of our building that we didn't plan on doing because we've had supporters that wanted to step up and help us. And um, that's the exciting part of where we're at. And I love our players. 
Uh, I love that they come up to my office and visit with me and tell me about what I would have learned during recruiting. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and we're uh, thrilled to be a part of this. You mentioned I, uh, many of whom we've had on this program uh, and a couple of you happen to hire as well. Uh, you've definitely gone above and beyond in making alumni feel welcome. That's been abundantly clear with everyone we've, we've talked to. And it's the first time in a long time for a lot of them who maybe, maybe they felt disconnected from this program before. They definitely don't now. Why has that been such a focus for you? Well, you know, I've, I've told this story before that when I got hired, I was going to hire Ricky Hunley no matter what job I went to. Um, I was Ricky's GA 20 years ago. We've always stayed in touch. I've always had the utmost respect for Ricky. I've always wanted him to coach the linebackers or the defensive line wherever I was at. Um, four years ago, I met Chuck Cecil and uh, really enjoyed our time together. I, I was not with him at the Rams, but I followed him. Um, and I know what the players said about him. I know the respect that he has. So those were two really easy hires. Uh, my first night that I got the job, Coach Belichick introduced me to Teddy Bruschi, and uh, we connected right away, and I felt that there had to be a role for him somewhere in our program. And, you know, then you get to meet guys like Brandon Sanders and Cindric Steptoe, and now you have five alumni in your building. Um, and then, you know, you also have some recruiting coordinators and some other jobs out there. And so then you start reaching out to the alumni, and you start kind of they, – they do the best job for you right? Those five guys talk about what we're doing in our building. They talk about how they've connected. They talk about how we run our program. And then that information just trickles out. Um, and all I believe in is be honest with our alumni, tell them where we're at, ask them to be a part of things, invite them to everywhere. And uh, we could have a spring game that had 204 or 196 former uh, Wildcats came back. And now uh, hopefully we'll have 400 uh, the next year. And I'll tell you what, Coach Shane and I were there and had a blast. It was everything that you did to make that game more fun. And it was just, it was a lot of fun just to be a part of it. And, and we appreciate what you did, you know, for the fans, not only, you know, as, as well as the football alumni. I, I know this is kind of a blunt question, but your expectations for year one are? To play really, really hard, to never walk off the field with um, anything but um, uh, appreciation for the players' efforts. And, um, you know, see how many games we can win doing that. Uh, I don't know how many games, uh, you know, each get, you know, every coach looks at every, every game and you're like, man, we could win that game. And then you look at it and be like, yeah, we, we could lose that game. You know, you don't know. You really don't know. Um, but we're, we're going into every single game uh, with an expectation to play extremely, extremely tough, extremely hard, extremely well. And if you do those things and you don't turn the football over, most of the time you win. So uh, we're just going to we're gonna try to do that, and we're going to try to uh, go out there. And, I mean, we have very high expectations, and we're never going to shy away from that, right? No one rises to low expectations. So uh, we're just going to continue to build this thing up. We believe we can get great recruits in here. We believe that our uh, building is going to sell itself. We believe our program is going to sell itself. And uh, hopefully a lot of people are going to want to play for Arizona. At the spring game, one thing that I noticed is the wide receiver group is stacked. You have a great, you have a great core there. In your opinion, is, are they the strongest position group that you have on the roster, or is there some somewhere else that we should take a look at as fans saying, "Hey, we're pretty well, uh, we're pretty well set here." I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, I do like our receiving core, um, but I really like a lot. I like all of our position groups. Truthfully, uh, 
you know, we, we have to stay healthy and we want to make sure that, you know, we can play our starters. Uh, that's always a key, right? You know, the best ability is availability. And the second best ability is durability. So if we could be available, durable and then available, we have a chance to, uh, you know, play really well. So for all of our position groups, we got to be healthy. We got to go out there and compete, play at a very high level. Uh, not exactly, you know, uh, sure which group is at the highest right now, but we've got a unique group. You know, we've got a lot of transfers here. We've got a lot of new guys that arrived, 30-something new players that uh, weren't here in the spring. So we're excited about them as well. Jed, you've definitely taken time to pay tribute to uh, teams uh, from the past, and we've heard some rumblings that may include the football uniforms for next season, uh, maybe going back to a traditional Desert Swarm-type look. Can you elaborate any more on that and give us a hint as far as what fans could expect? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe we, September 5th I'm available for the podcast, so we could maybe talk uh, talk then on what that, uh, what that looks like. But, you know, I tell our guys, you know, we could be able. We should be able to show up in anything and, and play our best. So uh, what we wear, uh, we're just going to focus in on how we play. Let's see if uh, other people can focus in on what we wear. All right, we're going to get our producer Chris to jot down September fifth. Make sure we get back on the podcast. Then uh, I, I know it. you've been encouraging. Awesome. I, I know you've been out there encouraging fans uh, to buy tickets for the upcoming season, um, and it looks like you know, season ticket holders have renewed and in good numbers so far. But you want to keep that going. I want to give you a chance to talk to Juve fans in the Phoenix area, like Eric and I are, who might be listening or watching right now. It's a bit of a drive to Tucson and back. On-field product hasn't been good for a while. Give them your best pitch. Why should they make that investment in this team this season and buy tickets to the games? Yeah, and I appreciate you guys having me on to talk about it because it's so important. I mean, first of all, you know, we've got six of these, right? we got six of them a year. And the opportunity to be able to watch a live football game um, at a place which could have an incredible atmosphere and be able to start new traditions and which we're going to start new traditions and be a part of what I really believe is an SEC atmosphere. And that's what we have to create. Uh, we have a chance to be in a college town with a ton of hotels, a uh, million people are living, you know, Tucson. Then you have all of Phoenix, all of Scottsdale, all of, you know, Maricopa County. And a chance to all be a part of this thing. It's, yeah, it's an hour and 45-minute drive. I just made it for the Suns game the other night. And the truth be told, night games are awesome. In the NFL, it's like the players dream to play at night. So I tell our guys, like, this is a dream come true. 7.30 at night under the lights, the weather's perfect. And, like, what else are you going to do? You know, sit at home and watch it or be a part of an entire culture that's changing. And if we could sell this place out, it will be awesome. And that's what it's like, oh, no, if you win, we'll come. How about if you come, we'll win? And, you know, let, let's trade it that way and say, if you keep coming and we keep competing hard, these kids deserve it. They're working their tails off at 6 in the morning and at 6 at night to be able to put a great product on the field. Will it be great? I don't know, but it's going to be something that you'll be proud of because they're going to work there. Uh, they're going to give everything they got, blood, sweat, and tears. And we would love, love to fill the stadium and sing and cheer and wave the Tucson towels 
and sing Bear Down at the end of the third quarter. I want all arms around each other. I'm going to show that on Twitter, what we're going to do, and we're going to break right into another song. We're going to do it that's uh, called the SEC way and make it the greatest home field in the world. Well, Coach, I, I was going to have a follow-up question. You just you just nailed it right there. You know, we, we really appreciate your time. Um, we'd love to have you back on closer to the season, but just so great to get a chance to talk to you. You got both Shane and I fired up, and I think all of our listeners will feel the same way. I will be there for all your games. I told you off the air. You know, uh, I haven't missed a, a home game, as I like to say, a pandemic, uh, non-pandemic game since uh, 2006. And I will be there for all of your home games, God willing. So I hope a lot of our listeners will join. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think the, the uh, what, we, what we should expect from the team, as you said, they're going to play hard. And uh, we're excited for it. Thank you so much for joining us, Coach. Thank you, guys. Let's do it in August again. Shane, that was really cool to have Coach Fish on uh, joining us here on the podcast. I mean, you know, that was, this is kind of like the, the, the one of the top guests that we had hoped to get. And uh, it was kind of funny when he said, uh, where was my invite? Coach, you know you're always welcome uh, on, the, on the podcast. I want to make it clear that that we we did definitely did try to make it work before, so it wasn't like. But but I'm and this is probably the first time he's heard about it, so I completely get it. But we appreciate his time. Uh, made a lot of great points. Uh, you, you you asked him about um, whether he feels like he's overachieved or underachieved at this point. Well, in terms of recruiting, uh, Arizona had another very good day. Uh, picked up another uh, pair of commits: uh, defensive tackle Isaiah Johnson out of Chandler High, and uh, defensive back uh, T.J. Hall, both three-star guys. Now, per 24-7 sports, Arizona is currently fifth in the Pac-12 in 2022 uh, recruiting rankings behind Oregon, USC, UCLA, and Cal. Still a lot of time, but uh, and no four-star guys yet, uh, but they're in the mix for some. You, you followed along with that. Uh, we should have our guy Matt Moreno on to talk about that again soon, but I, I think he's he's done a good job of, of uh, getting a lot of excitement around the program, not to mention hiring guys who know how to recruit and bring some, some big guys in, but it's going to take a little while to get some of those bigger guys. What do you think is a realistic expectations for Arizona recruiting rankings? I was talking about this with a couple of buddies earlier on. I think if Arizona is in the top 40 in the nation, we should be ecstatic. I mean, you can't really expect. I think oh, yeah. Stoops had one top 25 class, if I'm right. But outside of that, Arizona really hasn't been up there uh, in a long time. Yeah, top 40 I, I'd be thrilled with. I, I think the national rankings, I don't have them in front of me, but I want to say they were like 46. Now, I don't know if that includes the two commits they got today. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's it's not a bad place to start. Uh, so, and, and again, we don't know how the whole 2022 recruiting rankings are going to shake out. Like ASU is ninth right now. They, they'll probably come up depending on what happens with their off-field stuff. But, anyway, it, I would say so far so good for sure. I also want to talk about what he said in terms of fan support. Um, I absolutely loved – what he said about how how about you come watch us and we'll win as opposed to we'll come watch you when you start winning or you know he said it better than I just did but yeah I've said before Eric Arizona football fans much unlike men's basketball fans uh, Arizona football fans behave much like uh, Valley sports fans do uh, they won't agree. buy ticket they won't buy tickets until you put out a winning product uh, and I know that's a habit Coach Fish wants to break uh, but when you start winning. The support is off the charts. You know, you, you look at the Suns. Uh, you know, they sold out every game, uh, every season for a long time. Then they lost for a decade, and that changed. And then now they're back to their winning ways, and they have arguably the loudest home court advantage in the NBA. And it could ultimately be the difference in whether they uh, bring home their first NBA championship or not. So, when Arizona Stadium is sold out, we both know this. It's as good a home field advantage as you'll find in the Pac-12. You know, think back to the atmosphere during the 2014 Territorial Cup game. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I, I also really like the idea of the Tucson towels. I know uh, Coach Fish tweeted about that last week after he went to the Suns game and he saw all the rally towels there. Well, I, I'd love it if, if that, that becomes a thing. Um, hope they're able to make that happen. But uh, I, I do like his point. You know, it's like the chicken or the egg thing. Do, you know, does, does the winning come with the fans or the fans come with the winning? Certainly having fans out there uh, to, you know, like 50,000 strong every game, regardless of how good the team is, will definitely tip the scales a little bit, especially in a close game. It's just to be a tough habit to break for him because the Arizona football fans are a bit more fickle than the men's basketball fans are. When you think, or at least when I think about the greatest Wildcat moments uh, in person at Arizona Stadium in the last, let's say, 20 years, since since 2001, since I started going to games, I would say all but one of them involved pretty much a packed house. And the only one that did not was the Hill Mary with Cal and uh, and Arizona, where Arizona was down by three touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, and most of the stadium left. Now, the reason that I didn't leave is I have a personal philosophy when I go to a game, and I think I've told you this before, Shane, that unless the score is mathematically out of hand where Arizona can't win, or the spread is not in jeopardy anymore or over-under, then and, and I have whichever side that I have, and I will never bet against Arizona, by the way, then you must stay. So if it's a touchdown game, I'm, I will, I've already driven two hours to get down there. I'm not leaving. Um, you know, if the over-under's in question and it's a blowout, well, I want to stay and just see what happens with my bet. Just kind of a rule that I've always had. And that's why I stayed at the Hill Mary game. And there weren't very many of us left in the stands. But I told my buddies who, who drove with me to, to, to Tucson, I said, we're not leaving until you know, this game is decided. And, you know, Arizona got the ball in their own 10-yard line, and, and we know what happened. We talked to Anu Solomon about that for one of our first podcasts. But, you know, it, the environments when that place is full, and I know it's a bad memory to bring up, Shane, but think about Oregon 2009. That yep, place was, was rocking. Yeah, it was rocking. I mean, ABC, Saturday Night Football, Brent Musburger, Kirk Herbstreet. It was Game unbelievable. Was there too. Uh, game day was there. That's right. I was there at game day. Uh, also, Arizona, UCLA 2015. Now, that was in September when game day was there. Uh, a sold-out, rocking environment. The ASU game in 2014. Some of the homecoming games, uh, Kaysan, when he picked that off, I think it was 2006 against Cal. Um, the 2008 ASU game, which I know is your favorite game. There were uh, – there's a lot of, of, you know, the crowd in the stands. Easy for me to say, but that's true. We need that fan support. And I know they're probably going to stink. You know, Coach didn't didn't say they were going to be that great. I, I, we gave him a chance to say that. He didn't. But they're going to be interesting. And that's all you can ask for as a fan, right, at this point. Yeah, and, and when's the last time that a coach really went on social media or a podcast or whatever and, and made a passionate plea to the fans, like, we, we need you guys here for us for us to to have a chance to win or for us to really get there faster uh you know coaches will talk about that a little bit here and there but he's really making a point at it and i think that's one of the reasons among several that he's gone all out to be as entertaining as possible during the off season you know and having rob gronkowski and teddy bruski come back and coach at the spring game have gronk break that world record that's all he can do right now to build excitement around this program he knows that there's no games to coach until september no. There's nothing he can do except build that off that excitement off the field, or at least uh, you know on the field, but not during the game, so to speak. And he's done everything he possibly can. He's used the power of social media. He's used his national media connections. He's used his New England Patriots connections. They've Arizona sort of built up its own news channel as far as Arizona football being its own news channel, which they should have done years ago. 
Mm -hmm. He's done everything right. We completely agree with that. And I, I think that as long as that continues and he keeps that push, I, you look at t season ticket sales. He actually tweeted out uh, the other day that we almost have as, ma as many t season tickets uh, sold this year as, as the previous years. Uh, and, and the goal is to get even more. So that's actually pretty good when you consider that this team didn't win a game last year. Their coach got fired and it's been a, a rough several years. They, they've lost to ASU four times in a row. It, He's done everything right, and we'll see if the fans – I hope the fans re, uh, reward him. I know you'll be there. Uh, I don't expect a sold-out crowd, but, you know, you mm -hmm. get 40000 45000 for that first game. I think that's a win. You know, Shane, when, when – and I, I was actually really impressed that you admitted it. Um, when Jed Fish was hired, you know, you as you said, you said, I, I'm, I wasn't a fan, and, and I was very skeptical myself. I was very like, what are they doing? Jedfish has won us over. And if you didn't, if you heard his interview before us, which you obviously did li listening, and and I'm talking to the listener here, you know, you listen to Jedfish, how can you not be on board with what he's saying? How can you not get excited about Arizona football? The guy uh, spreads excitement. And that's what that's all you can ask right now with a team that you said, as you said, Shane, hasn't won in since 2019. You know, he, he, right? This is a guy that was a, a essentially a no-name hire. Who he has united, and we have a chance to ask him about this. United coaches on campus. I mean, the fact that he has uh, at, at the spring game, and you and I talked about this several months ago when Tommy Lloyd and Adia Barnes are doing a jump a jump ball, you know, tip off or something. I mean, to, Kevin Sumlin wasn't doing that. Sean Miller wasn't going to be a part of that. These coaches kind of uniting together, and I'm sure Chip Hale, uh, who's Mr. Arizona as well, will be a part of that. It's really exciting that, you know, Jed Fish has brought that enthusiasm to the athletic department, and we certainly heard it here on Wildcat Country. Yeah, I wanted to be upfront with them, it's like, and I, I don't think it was a secret to him. I think he knew, and I'm, I'm sure he checked some of the messages on social media the day he was hired. It's like it was almost universally like not good. I remember getting a text uh, the night before the the hire was announced from one of our um, uh, alumni guys uh, we've had on on the podcast said it, it better not be fish, you know. And, and some guys were saying, "I need to look up this guy. I don't know. Who, I don't know anything about him," as opposed to Brent Brennan and some of the other guys who are reportedly in the mix, but. You ask any alum now, you know, you, you go back and listen with uh, with John Fina or, or Heath Bray or Joe Tafoya or any of the other alumni we've had on, Willie Tuitama, they, they can't say anything but nice things about the guy. And it's not just lip service. I mean, those guys will be honest. They'll be more honest with us, you know, off air than on air. But still, you, you get an idea of how they feel. And they've done a, a, as, as big a 180 as the fans have. And I, I love the fact that he's embraced the alumni because they really are the the evangelist, so to speak, for the program. And yeah. it's just amazing. Again, I know he's got those connections that maybe some of the other coaches ha uh, didn't have, but why did it take so long to bring Rob Gronkowski and Teddy Bruschi and all those guys back? You know, at least right. try. I mean, maybe there were attempts behind the scenes we just didn't see, but you know, we, you look back at Kevin Sumlin, you know, in his press conference when he was introduced, he said, oh, alumni, you have a place here and we want, we want you back. And he didn't do that. You know, we talked, you know, nope. so many guys we talked to said he, he never put in that effort and, and he didn't recognize any of those guys. So it, it's good to see. It's not just like a feel good thing. It, it's let's embrace the good times we had and the great athletes we had and use them to the program's advantage because they want to be used. They want to be used in that capacity. And Jed Fish is finally allowing them to do that. Well, and, and I'm going to trash the Sumlin administration, not necessarily Coach Sumlin uh, in particularly here, but 
Notice the difference in access that this Arizona administration has given the fans as compared to the Sumlin administration. Nobody, you, it was like there were, everything was closed door with Kevin Sumlin. Now we have, as you mentioned, Shane, they have their own communications channel. You, you see, you know, Jed Fish is allowing videos of him at six in the morning, what his day is like. He's, he's going on national radio shows and national TV shows and even our podcast to promote his brand. It's, it's night and day and it's really exciting. And, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of Arizona losses this year. Uh, I mean, that's just, I think he knows it. I think, you know, we all know it. But if the team plays hard, and a lot of those losses are close, you know, I want to see more. If you're going to lose, I almost want to lose like they did against USC right off the bat, where that was a game they could have won, and a maturing oh, yeah. team would have grown into that. But unfortunately, you know, this team backslid, and they never really were competitive the rest of the season. I'm encouraged, and I would say Arizona will be in, I want to say, eight games this year, if not more. Yeah, I think that's all we want to see. We don't, not all three and nine seasons are created equal. You know, the Arizona could go three and nine and get blown out in all nine of their losses, or they can go three and nine and come close to beating some right. good teams on the way, give them some scares. That's what we want to see. I think most Wildcat fans are like, okay, I'll take a three or four win season if there's at least promise that we can get over the hump in a year or two. And, and I think that this program under Jed Fish has a better, much better chance of improving from beginning of the season to the end than last year's team did or the previous year's teams did. The other thing I like about Jed Fish is if there's even a remote chance that something he could do could boost the program in some way, he's going to do it. He came on this mm -hmm. podcast not because we're super awesome guys and we have, you know, and we have like the kind of following like, like ESPN does, even though I, I, I like to think that, but we don't. He came on because he's got a chance to, to to talk to people directly and and try to sell tickets and try to sell them on the program. It, you know, not every coach, not every Power Five coach would be willing to come on a podcast like this. I appreciate everyone who listens, but we're you know we're not ESPN, we're just not. And if there's an outside chance that that something is going to boost Arizona's stock in one way or the other, Jed Fitch is going to do it because he knows really he has to. That's where this program is at. Plus, it's just in his nature. He he goes all out. He's not a guy who does anything halfway, and I appreciate that about him. So if Arizona's not very good under his tenure, if he doesn't have a successful run at Arizona, it's not going to be for lack of effort, that's for sure. Right. And we can't necessarily say that about his predecessor. My goal for Arizona football is in December after the season ends, uh, regardless of what happens against ASU, I want to be able to say, I think this is a bold team in 2022-23. I think you're in, in Jed Fish's second season, Arizona is going to make a bowl game. I don't care if they're six and six. They have they have five Pac-12 games at home in 2022. Um, we should be able to say, hey, this team is on the brink of making the postseason. And and for those who say, well, it doesn't matter, six and six. There's so many bowl games. It's about the extra practices. When you get 15 extra practices or or uh, up to 15 extra practices, it makes a huge difference. It's a chance for your guys to work together because college limits the number of practices. This isn't like the NFL. So the fact that when you can have organized extra practices to work forward to, to the next season, that's really important, especially for a team with as a, a ton of new personnel, relatively new personnel. It's Arizona is going to have over the next couple of years. So uh, thanks to Coach Fish for coming on. That was really, really cool, Shane. I want to transition to something that I saw um, in the media. And I like John Wilner um, from the Bay Area, Bay Area News, I believe it is, uh, San Jose Mercury News. He's a, he's a very good Pac-12 writer. 
but he wrote something this week that I thought was ridiculous and foolish. And I'm curious if you think it's off base or he's onto something. Wilner, in, in talking about the Pac-12 uh, basketball season coming up, he, rate, he ranked Arizona ninth amongst the 12 teams in the conference. Arizona has never, since Lute Olson took over, finished ninth or below in the Pac-10 or Pac-12. What in the hell is John Wilner thinking with three established starters in Kirk Carissa, Ben Mather, and Azulis Tubelis coming back? Yeah, well, first of all, what the previous Arizona teams have done has nothing to do with this year's team. So that that part of it doesn't bother me. Uh, but I, I'm like you, Eric. I respect John's opinion. I think he's way off on this one, though. Uh, for one, he seems in his write-up he didn't even mention uh, Azulis Tabellus. I don't, you know, he seems to have forgotten he exists. Tabellus was phenomenal along with Ben Matherin uh, in the FIBA U19 World Cup. They were both stars. Uh, and while I'm disappointed that Arizona hasn't been able to land one more impact transfer, you know, that they, they've had their shot at several, it hasn't come come through yet. Time's running out for them to add another uh, impact guy. If those two guys, uh, Tubelis and Matherin. Both take a step forward next season. Arizona can be a very good team. Uh, and, and I say a step forward as it, they both had great freshman seasons and they and uh, Tubelis especially peaked toward the end of the year. Wilner doesn't have either guy in his all Pac-12 first or second team. And he doesn't even have Mather in his third team. Uh, I'm sorry, but that that's, yeah, that's absurd. Um, now, and, and I know, look, I know we're biased homers, okay? But come on. Well, we'll tell Arizona's, like not gonna, Arizona's not going to win the Pac-12, okay? UCLA is going to win the Pac-12. Yeah. And and Arizona might not finish second. Uh, but if Tubelis and Matherin keep progressing, Kirk Creesa, who we had on last week, we appreciate him coming on. I wasn't able to be a part of that interview. But uh, I appreciate you taking care of that. Anyway, Kirk Creesa has, uh, gets a full season to play. Uh, Tubelis and Matherin keep progressing. Some of those, these newcomers uh, help them add enough depth to make this a quality eight- or nine-man rotation, which I think is is – feasible. I think the Wildcats can be at least as good as they were last season. Not top 25, yep. but borderline uh, tournament contender if they're eligible. We'll wait and see what happens with that. And I think Tubelis and Matherin, it's kind of like having a great quarterback on an average team. I, I think you know you have two stars on, on, a, on a men's basketball team. That can cancel out any number of deficiencies that this team has. Uh, including at the point guard position. If, if they're able to combine, if, if Tubelis and Matherin are able to combine for say 35 points, 15 rebounds a game combined to go close to 50% from the field, which they almost did last season and 40% from three. They're more than capable of doing all those things. Uh, and you know me, Eric, I'm a pessimist by nature and, but I would mm -hmm. be stunned if Arizona doesn't finish in the top half of the PAC 12 next season, health permitting. Yeah. And I would, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I think one thing that I want to take exception with that you said I, I will bet you, Shane, uh, we can make a gentleman's bet here that Arizona at some point next season will be in the top 25. Now, I, I just I have a feeling that the Wildcats will crack the, as they did this past season. I, I have a feeling they will crack the top 25 at some point. Are they going to be a consistent top 25 team? I probably doubt that. But with with Tubelis, Matherin and Creesa, I'm going to I'm going to say there are not 25 teams in the country that have th uh, a three that have three established players that good. I'll say that. You know, UCLA might. UCLA is bringing back their entire team, essentially, from a team that, that almost went to the national championship game. But I, I can't think of 24 other teams that are bringing back three 
pretty darn good players to the level of the three that I mentioned. And that's why I think Arizona at some point will crack the top 25. Now, it just depends on the scheduling and everything like that. We don't know what that's going to look like and everything. But I would I would put Arizona, and Kirk Creasy told me this last weekend, or last week, as you said, Arizona is a top four team in the Pac-12 as far as I'm concerned. I, I have no – Arizona is better than Arizona State. Um, I, I think other than UCLA and and Oregon, I'm struggling to find teams that, that I can honestly rank that much higher than the Wildcats. I, I think I, I tend to agree. I don't know about the top 25 thing, but I think we're sort of on the same page as far as I think they're both, I th- both of us think they're going to do better than Willner does. If they do finish ninth or around that area, that's a big deal for Tommy Lloyd because I think the reason why Arizona hasn't been able to bring in some of those other recruits that they've been sort of in the final four or final five for like Ty, Ty Washington is a lot of these commits, I think, or recruits are, are taking a wait and see approach with a guy who's, who's never been a head coach before. And Arizona has to be at least as good, if not a little better, than they're technically supposed to be, like according to the media, according to the experts. If they're worse than that, I think I could set back. It's going to be a timeline for Arizona. It's going to be, you know, maybe three or four years before they're, you know, if things go well, before they're, you know, maybe a final four team again, at least. No way. Well, I, I think three or four years is, is realistic, but I think that if they have a bad first season, a bad they get off to the wrong foot under Tommy Lloyd, that could set them back a couple of years, because I think a lot of these recruits are going to be like, well, I haven't seen it from this guy yet. I haven't seen him co- be a great head coach yet. So as long as Arizona can be a borderline co- uh, tournament contender, I think that's going to work wonders for Tommy Lloyd and for recruiting. They've already done a decent job. But I think mm-hmm. they're, they're going to get a lot of those guys and have the same kind of classes or close to it that Sean Miller did if they have a decent first season under Tommy Lloyd where they're in the top half of the Pac-12, maybe top four. If they make a top 25 appearance, that would be huge and are at least in contention for the NCAA tournament. All right. I'm going to go full homer here, Shane. Uh, in 2022-23, I believe that Arizona, if – Tabellus, Matherin, and Creasa come back, which is a which you, who knows at this point. If they come back for their junior seasons. Arizona will make a run at at least the Sweet Sixteen, if not further. I'm gonna I'm going on record right now and saying that I really believe these are three NBA players playing for the Wildcats right now, and they will add some pieces between now and and not this season, but next season. Uh, watch out. Uh, a second-year coach, look at Sean Miller, what he did in his second year. Mind you, Derek Williams played was the best player in the country that year, um, and they, but they, they came within a shot of the Final Four. Uh, I would not be shocked if the core stays in place that Arizona was in the same position in March of 2023. Just so difficult to do. I know you, I know it's, it's predicated on an if. Right, uh, right. But, you know, we, we, Matherin – could have gone pro if he wanted to after his freshman season. Uh, I you know, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. I, I I totally get your point, but I I would be satisfied with twenty wins and you know a Pac twelve tournament semifinal appearance. I'd love to just to be able to be able to do all those things again with fans uh, for one thing. But I, I I think that it's going to take some wins for them to get more wins. If that makes sense and. If, if Tommy Lloyd doesn't have a good first year, I think it's going to set back this program more than people would like to admit. That's just my opinion, and I hope I'm wrong, and hopefully it doesn't come to that. The last thing I want to talk about on the show, Shane, uh, I have some sour grapes, and, and I may be um, grasping at straws here, but I'm very proud that the Wildcats baseball team had seven players drafted in the MLB draft. 
Jay Johnson, who coached all of these seven players, did not tweet out a congratulations to any of them. I'm very disappointed in that. And I know Jay Johnson is not our head baseball coach anymore. Chip Hale is, and I'm very excited to see what Coach Hale can do. I'm, I'm starting to get more on the Chip Hale bandwagon as we go along here. I'm just I'm disappointed. It's like Jay forgot that he coached at Arizona. And, and these are seven players who were the core of, of this team that made a run to Omaha, and he couldn't congratulate him. That is my bone to pick this week. I think we just have to accept, Derek, that Jay Johnson was just not that into us. He just was never that into us. <laughs> we had a great, no, we had a great time talking with him. But yeah, I we think did. he's we did. He's moved. He's moved on. I look. I, 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 we had hurt feelings about it. I think it. I agree. It would be nice to see him say something on social media. But you never know. He probably texted. Well, maybe he he might have texted these guys and sent them congratulations. You don't have to do everything in public. I just my my whole thing from last week, Eric, was not saying anything like not saying a thank you to the university publicly in any way or thank you to the fans right. whether it was at his introductory press conference or social media the stuff now i mean i don't i don't really care about who knows what goes on behind the scenes but i am very proud and it's a good thing that arizona had seven like you said seven draft picks only um i believe only five schools had more uh, at least as of uh, uh tuesday afternoon so that's a good sign. I know that their coach now is gone, but that, that shows you right there, kind of like with the basketball team, like with DeAndre Ayton being in the NBA Finals and Solomon Hill making it to the Conference Finals. You get those constant reminders that Arizona is a very good program, and you know that for baseball as well. They were, they were you know, they weren't perennial powerhouse, but they were very good under Andy Lopez. They were very good under Jay Johnson, obviously Jerry Kendall back in the day. So there's that legacy of having a very good team. And I think that's going to help Chip Hale as, like Tommy Lloyd, he doesn't have that head coaching experience. Just having that that pedigree of Arizona baseball, it's not as big as some other schools, um, nope. but having that, you know, they just came off a, a Pac-12 championship. They, you know that they can win here. It's not just about Jay Johnson. It's about the, the history of the program as well. I think that's the, the timing of the draft was good for Chip Hale because he can say, "Look, we just had seven draft picks. I know I wasn't the coach there, but that's because that, that's Arizona baseball, and that's where you want to go." So I think that that's a big boost as far as Jay Johnson. I'm, you know, I'm more or less over it. I'm still not thrilled with the way he ended things, but I, I don't, I, I wish him the best. And I would love for Arizona to beat LSU in a super regional at some point, but we'll see what congratulations, happens. Congratulations to Ryan Holgate, Brandon Bossier, Dante Williams, uh, Gil Luna, Chase Silseth, uh, Kobe Cato, and the last one was Austin Smith. So all seven Wildcats that were drafted. Congratulations. Best of luck to you in your pro careers. And there will be many more from this program that are drafted. Chip Hale will have these guys ready to play. We will talk more about Arizona baseball in future episodes, but we were very fortunate to have uh, Coach Jed Fish from the football team join us uh, on this episode. It was uh, just really a thrill, and we really look forward to having him back on. And uh, Shane, give us a, a final thought on, on what we talked about uh, and this uh, episode, pretty uh, pretty good stuff. I want my Tucson towel. Make that happen, Coach Fish. I'm excited for the Tucson towels. And I'm excited for these new traditions that Coach Fish talked about, which we're going to find out more. That end of the third quarter, Wisconsin has jump around. What will Arizona have? I guess we'll we'll find out in the fall. I am, though, disappointed that he did not tell you more about the new uniforms, which I, I believe know. are more of a – a retro look to the desert swarm days. That's just my guess. But uh, for thanks, Coach Jed Fish, for joining us once again. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thank you to the All AZ Sports Network and our and our buddies over there for uh, for working with us and to be a part of that. 
And uh, thanks for listening. And as always, bear down.